Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and today I am not joined by Nikolai. He is finally taking a well-earned break. So this week you've just got me. I am uh, in the process of getting a couple of guests as well, which I'm excited about. So hopefully for the next couple of weeks we'll be able to uh, give you those conversations. But in the meantime, I'm going to record an episode on pretty much the only topic I feel comfortable sharing knowledge on on my own which is uh, explain and due to the nature of the product i've been working on for the past few years i have spent a lot of time looking at explain plans and helping folks with those so yeah i've given a couple of talks on this in the past but i realized we hadn't actually done an, a podcast episode on it we've done a few related ones so long-term listeners will be familiar uh, with some of the things we've talked about previously but we haven't done a very uh, an intro level one or even uh, i have a process i'd like to recommend people use haven't discussed that yet so i'm hoping to give you a couple of those things but on the topic of guests before i move on if you have any recommendations or requests on either the guest front or the topic front those are always welcome please send those to us either privately or publicly they would be very very welcome so explain first what is explain and what does it do so Explain is a statement that you put in front of your query and Postgres will return the query execution plan. So by default, you just get the plan. So what Postgres would do, what choices it would make to execute that query. It doesn't execute the query if you just use explain and it provides back the estimated costs involved. So you might have heard that Postgres has a cost-based optimizer. This is uh, this gives you some insight into the costs that it's calculating and why it's making certain choices. So why it's choosing a certain scan type over another certain scan type or uh, the join order it's chosen or the uh, join type it's doing for a specific join. So all of those are based on what's possible and also what it thinks will be fastest. Now the costs are in an arbitrary unit but the idea is the lower the cost, the faster the optimizer thinks it would be. So it is correlated to time, but they're not in a unit of time. So explain on its own can be useful to like quickly see, for example, if you have a, a query that's timing out or taking absolutely ages, you can quickly have a look at the uh, query plan and just check maybe why it might be slow. But if we want to know for sure why a query is slow and it's executing in a reasonable amount of time, chances are we're going to want to use some explained parameters to not just get the plan back, but also get uh, also run the query behind the scenes and get uh, execution statistics. So those the most common of those parameters that you'll, you might have heard alongside explain is analyze. So, and this is different to the analyze keyword for getting query statistics. This is explain analyze specifically. But there are loads more parameters as well. In fact, we did a whole episode on why we believe, or Nikolai and I believe, that buffers should be on by default with Analyze. So buffers is another parameter that gives you extra runtime or execution statistics alongside the timings that you get with Analyze. So with buffers, we also get information about the blocks read, written. So the amount of work being done by the query, uh, not just the timings. So that can really help. But there are a bunch of other parameters as well. Uh, I like to recommend people use as many of them as they can. 
most of them don't have that much additional overhead. But Analyze can. In fact, that's something to, to worth bearing in mind that there are a couple of caveats when it comes to explain analyze. It can both over-report and under-report the amount of time that a query would take in the wild. So, for example, it's been referred to as the observer effect before, but if we have a slow system clock, the overhead of checking the timings can add a significant overhead to the total execution time when we're running explain uh, with analyze on, and with time specifically with timings on. So that's how it can over-report. That's the, the easiest way it can over-report on the execution time. But it can also under-report if you, for example, when we're, when we're running explain analyze, Postgres doesn't have to transmit the data to us. So if we're requesting thousands of rows and uh, we're, we're not close to the database, so perhaps it's a user doing a big report from a different continent than the, the database is on, your monitoring might be showing that that query is taking a few seconds to execute, whereas maybe explain analyze would report it only taking a few hundred milliseconds because it doesn't have to transmit that data across the network. So it can overreport and underreport, but generally it's generally the that's pretty uncommon in and also directionally you'll still see where the slowest parts of that query plan are, even if it if the numbers aren't precise. So yeah, so that those are the caveats. In terms of the process I recommend, the, the number one that I think I've mentioned it before in the podcast, but it's so important, it's worth repeating. You need to be running on a realistic size data set to get realistic performance data. Now, it doesn't have to be the exact same data. It, the important part is the number of rows. So for example, if you were testing out a, a new feature and your local data set only has a couple of dozen rows, but production has a few million, chances are the Postgres plan is going to be making different choices on join order or join algorithm, even scan type. So it could even choose to do a sequential scan if your data is small enough, even if there is a good index available. So that can really surprise people, but it's really important. As the data sets get bigger, the, it, this, this becomes slightly less important. So if, you, if you're testing on tens of millions of rows instead of hundreds of millions, there's less of a chance of an issue, but, but still a chance of an issue getting a different plan. So very much worth bearing that in mind. If you can test on a realistic size data set, please do. There's lots of tools available for try, for doing that and for masking data these days. Uh, but that's, in fact, I think we've done it. If, we, if we've done an episode on that, I think we have on benchmarking. So I'll, I'll link that one up. So that's tip number one or, or step one in the process. Make sure you are, or the person that you're helping is testing on a real, realistic data set. Um, use as many parameters as possible. I've, I've hinted at that already. Mentioned analyze and buffers, but there are also parameters for settings, which tells you any non-default planner related settings that you have. So for example, if you've changed work mem or random page cost, these are common ones to have changed. Those will show up. Uh, but also if you, for example, been testing a few locally and you've forgotten that you've still got those set, that they'll show up in your explain plan as well, which can be helpful. 
Another important one is, well, another one that I find really useful is verbose, especially when helping other people. You get to see information about the schema, for example. You get fully qualified object names. You also get uh, the output of each uh, operation in the query execution plan, what data it's sending to, the, to its parent uh, operation, which can be useful for advising certain optimizations. Uh, a couple of others. A new one is the right-head logging information, or I say new, I think it was a few versions old now. You can also specify different formats. So JSON format is particularly popular these days amongst tools, but text format is is generally still the most concise and most readable amongst, especially people that are most familiar with it. They'll often ask to see the text format plank because it's smaller and more familiar to them. Now, there are a couple of other parameters as well, uh, less important because people generally leave them on uh, or leave the defaults in place, but timing can be really useful if you want to, for example, turn timing information off, but have analyze on. So you still get the, the full execution uh, timing statistics, but you don't measure the per node timing, which is where the main overhead is. So I've seen some people with some tool vendors recommend turning that off with auto explain, but worth measuring if it does actually have any overhead on your system before doing so, because timing information could be really useful when looking at speeding things up. Costs you can turn off as well. The only time I've seen that done and the only time I've done it myself is when writing blog posts or sharing query plans where I just want to make them slightly less uh, intimidating or draw attention to the more important parts. So those are on by default. And the other one that's on by default is, or at least when you use explain analyze is summary, which puts the information at the end. So like planning timings and execution times, which are very useful. Uh, so generally people don't turn that off, but it means you can turn that on, for example, with explain, which get, gives you the planning time. Uh, because remember when we just do explain, we only plan the query. It, we don't, it, uh, Postgres doesn't execute that. So you can get the planning time just from, from explain alone. If you use the summary, a parameter but generally i recommend putting as many of those on as you can especially if you're using a tool to parse it or if you are getting help from others the more information the better for them cool so that's second step third one is glance at the end so query plans especially once your queries get a bit more complex can get quite long you can get uh, feel a bit like a wall of text but a few of the probably rarer problems, to be honest, but a few of the fairly common problems are highlighted very much at the end. So things like if your planning time is 10x your execution time, there's very little point looking through the rest of the query plan, looking for optimization potential, because 10, like the vast majority of your, um, of the total time was in planning. So that's only reported at the end and the rest of the query plan won't help you. The other two things that are reported at the end that, that also report a total time are triggers. So trigger executions, um, they can be the performance issue. If, if you have triggers involved, there's gonna be some overhead there. They report a total time. If that's a high percentage of your total execution time, you found your problem already um, without looking through the whole execution plan. Same is true for just-in-time compilation. That can, in certain cases, be 99% of execution time, which, again, 
makes looking through the query plan not as useful. Cool. So that's the third one. Fourth is then once you've looked at those, then figure out, okay, we do need to look at the rest of the query plan. Where is the time going? Like which parts of these are the most expensive? Or if you have buffers on, which of these scans is doing the most uh, reads? The reason I mentioned that that's like step four is because I think it's very easy at this point to jump to other, like jump to look into other for other issues. And I've been guilty of this in the past myself as well. So experienced people, I think maybe are even more susceptible to this than, than less experienced people. If you notice a sequential scan, your eye gets drawn to it uh, immediately and you think, oh, maybe there's a, maybe there's an issue there. Or you, you notice a large filter or, you know, a few thousand rows being filtered or a lot of loops or something. If your eye gets drawn to these problems that you're used to looking for, you can get tripped up or get, you can end up going down a, a bit of a, a rabbit hole on this. So my tip is to really check where the timings go, like where, which of these is really taking up the most time and then focus your attention there. Only once you've worked that out, focus on that part of the query or put that part of the query plan. Is there a bottleneck we can solve? And maybe maybe we'll come back to the other issue we spotted later, but it also the query might be fast enough by that point and we can move on. So yeah, that's that's the fourth and fifth. So work out where the what the most expensive parts of the query plan are, and then and only then what you can do about it. So the, on the timings front, there are a few things to be aware of. So the execution time is reported uh, inclusive of, so uh, uh, one operation's execution time is inclusive of, of all of its children. So a little bit of subtraction you'd think might, might be enough there to, to work out maybe which of the operations is the most expensive on its own. But you have to take into account a bunch of other things as well. So those execution times are a per loop average. So for example, if one of our operations is being looped over uh, multiple times, uh, which is especially common in join operations, uh, but also um, it parallel execution utilizes loops uh, as how it reports. So there's a few ways where we have to then multiply it by the number of loops before subtracting from the parent operation. So these things can, you can see how they can start to get a little bit complex. In addition, Postgres reports these timings in milliseconds and doesn't include thousand separators. So I know I personally can start to struggle with the arithmetic of all that once it starts getting into the multiple seconds. As such, there's a ton of tools that can help you with this. I work on one, but there are some really good free open source ones available. Lots of editors include them by default and pretty much all of them make at least some effort to get those timings uh, pretty good. So some popular ones are depeche.explain.com. A really nice thing about that is that it preserves the text format. So it's really expert friendly. If you want to share uh, an explain plan with the Postgres mailing lists, the one they'll be most familiar with and most comfortable with will be the explain.depeche one. But uh, explain.dalabo.com is really popular these days, much more visual, uh, includes more charts on uh, for example, where the timings are going, where the buffers, like which operations do the most buffer hits, that kind of thing. Much more 
beginner friendly and and as i would probably class my tool as well pg master visual as well but also helps with that next step a bit more on, on what you can possibly do about things but yeah so the main the main th reason i want to mention those is they can really help on the timings front so you can paste your query plan in and quickly see uh, where the timings are going i would say that a lot of them don't do that step three so a lot of them don't immediately draw your attention if the, if there's triggers taking up a lot of time or just in time compilation taking up a lot of time or even planning time. So do, do it is still worth doing that step first and then uh, checking out a tool or two that you, that you're familiar with for the next steps. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much it for a process. Obviously that fifth step working out what to do next is a hugely deep topic. And it's actually where a lot of the, normal talks on explain if you go to a conference and see a talk on explain that's normally where they'll pick up uh, so the best one i've seen is a bit old now it's from probably about 2016 but josh burkus gave it a few times but I've, i'll share one of the recordings that i liked a lot uh, yeah he spends about an hour going through a lot of the different join types scan types types of issues you can see things to be aware of and yeah, it's a lot, even then probably only covers the first 10% of what you could know. There are more recent talks, one by Bruce Monjan actually, or who covered some of the rarer scan types. So I'll link that one up as well. But this is a deep, deep topic that you can, you can dive into. I'm a few years in and I don't consider myself an expert yet. So that gives you an idea. But yeah, it's extremely powerful tool for query optimization in general naturally to speed things up it really helps to know which part's slow so uh, please use it um let, let me know how you get on it'd be cool to hear on the yeah, we've done a bunch of related episodes so a couple of those to check out are there's an extension called auto explain now that will not it will let you run your queries as normal let's say or maybe even on production and the users get the results of the query back, which we don't when we run explain. I don't know if I mentioned that up top, but the people using uh, your database will continue to run their queries and get their results as usual. But in the background, the execution plans will be being logged. Any that are beyond a certain timing threshold that you set will get logged to your Postgres logs. So we've done a whole episode on that can be extremely useful and I'll link that up. We've also done one on row estimates. So that's another common issue. So with explain, we get to see how many rows Postgres expected to be returned at each stage. And when it's wrong, when it's wrong by a lot, especially that can lead to all sorts of issues um, with inefficient plans being chosen. So we did a whole episode on that. Uh, we've, in fact, our first ever episode was on slow queries and slow transactions. So that's worth checking out if you haven't, um, already. Uh, and we did uh, a more advanced one on query optimization, which again, we still didn't cover some of the basics of explaining. So I'm glad to have done this one now. Welcome any questions. Uh, and please do remember to send, uh, your guest and topic suggestions through. Happy holidays. Hope you all had a good one and catch you next time, hopefully with a guest. All right. Bye.